much, Charles. Really appreciate that. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see you. I tell you what, I leaned over to Charles. I said, whoa, people are really worshiping today. I could hear them singing and singing. So great job, big choir and little choir. It was a, a great time to worship the Lord through music. Never get tired of doing that. And we worship the Lord through prayer. And we always worship the Lord as we study his word. Amen? So that's what we'll be doing now. We're going to be studying his word. But I tell you what, it's interesting. I was thinking about this. There is a major sporting event that's going on right now, okay? And actually, Pastor Jay told me that this is the number one watched sporting event in the world. In the world. And it's not, not Wimbledon, which is going on right now. It's actually the Tour de France. Isn't that interesting? The Tour de France is even more watched than the World Cup, even more watched than the Super Bowl the Tour de France, probably because there's so many people that are riding in this all over the world that are watching this and seeing who's going to win and all the different stages that are there. Now, what's interesting, now they are in what's called stage 15, okay? Stage 15, and check this out. We're going to show you a little picture here, a little diagram. Look at that. There's Tour de France. Now, look at this. Whoa! Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine just going down that hill? Oh, you better hope your brakes work, right? Oh, man, oh, man. And stage 15, check this out. Stage 15 is actually going to be riding through mountains for 111 miles. That's basically like going from here to Columbus, so to speak, okay? And you'd have to be going up and down all kinds of terrain, all kinds of mountains. Is anybody up for that? Anybody ready to do that? Come on. We're not seeing a lot of hands. Oh, we got one hand. All right. So... I tell you what, that would be extremely, extremely challenging going that far. When you watch the Tour de France, though, the, uh, the main person that kind of gets most of the TV coverage, like years ago it was Lance Armstrong, remember he got all the TV coverage, it's usually the leader of the pack, right? Whoever's in first, whoever's kind of leading that particular stage, boom, all of the cameras are kind of zooming in on that person. But if you were to ask, really ask the leader, who deserves credit for their position, they would not point to themselves. If they're truly honest, they would not point to themselves. They would point to what is called the domestique, okay? And you might think, what in the world did he just say? The domestique. Now, that basically is the French word for servant. And so last night, I asked Google how to pronounce this, okay? And it's because I'm more English, Spanish, not a whole lot of French. So I asked Google how to pronounce it, and, the, and this lady voice came on, domestique, domestique, like that. And then she proceeded through Google to talk to me in French for like a minute. I didn't understand a word of it. So try that when you go home. Try, like, just, and you, you'll be surprised what languages come out of your Google device. I tell you what. But the domestique basically means servant. Just like a few weeks ago, I told you guys that in Greek, the word is doulos, right? That is servant. Well, here in French, it's domestique. And according to Eurosport, they are the unsung heroes of the Tour de France. They have one job, just one, and that is sacrificing everything for their team leader. Sacrificing everything for their team leader. The domestique knows his role. It's not to be famous, it's not to win the race even. His entire role on the team is to do whatever, whatever it takes from blocking, 
kind of the other riders, maybe you see that, to being able to take on all of the harsh weather, because it's not always sunny with a high of 75, okay? There's all kinds of storms. There's all kinds of things that they still got to cycle through. That would be intense. So the domestique has got to be able to handle all those things in order to help the team win. It's all about the team. It's all about helping the team win. However, what's interesting is the mindset of the domestique, it didn't really originate with cycling. It didn't originate with cycling. It originated with Jesus Christ, the ultimate servant, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that we come to gather together to worship. That's who it started with, the ultimate servant. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 13, we're going to be looking at this as we continue to progress all the way through the book of John. This is what it says here, John 13, starting with verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. You see, this event right here, it takes place just days before what is considered to be the darkest day in all of history. Jesus is about to experience the ultimate grudge match between himself and the vicious opponent of sin and death, all of which takes place where? On the cross, on a dishonorable cross. But before this happens, Jesus, what does he do? He gathers the 12 disciples together. Disciples meaning followers. He gathers these 12 followers together. He loves these guys. He has spent literally every single waking moment with these guys. And even when he would go down to sleep, he'd wake right back up in the morning. Boom, the guys didn't leave him. <laughs> They're still there. They didn't desert him yet. They're there. What's interesting is he knew these guys backwards and forwards. He knew their strengths. He knew their weaknesses. And he stayed with them through the ups and the downs. They stayed with him. He stayed with them. They were mountains. They were valleys all throughout ministry, right? But the cool thing was they stuck together at this point. It was amazing. But Jesus, he has a few things that he wants these guys to truly understand before he's gone. Some very important things that they need to understand. So that's where we get into verse 4 and 5. It says, so he got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Yeah. Now, I brought up a, a towel today. And uh, let me tell you, it was hard to find a towel big enough for me. <laughs> I guess my waist is a little bit bigger. But uh, you can just imagine, think about this. Oh, he literally had a towel, sort of kind of maybe like this, and he wrapped it around himself like such, okay? So he's wrapping this towel around him, and it's going like this. And just picture this. Just picture this. He's got this towel wrapped around him, and he invites the guys, to be able to, to really see what's going on. They're, they're silent during this time. 
They're absolutely stunned. They're absolutely silent. As Jesus then bends down and he begins to pour, okay? He begins to pour water into the basin. The disciples, you know what happens? They begin to get a little uncomfortable. They begin to get a little uncomfortable. They realize that Jesus is kind of new wardrobe, so to speak, and the pouring of the water, that that meant one thing. That meant one thing that he was going to be washing their feet. And let me tell you, they did not want that. They did not want that. But in this culture, you see, washing a person's feet was as common and as necessary as kind of brushing our teeth. So hopefully all you guys woke up this morning and brushed your teeth, right? Okay. <laughs> I won't ask questions. But it's one of those things where that was how common it was back in, in Bible times. When guests would walk into a house, a person would have a basin of water ready to wash their feet. But check it out. These guests, they didn't wear, they didn't wear Nikes. They didn't wear New Balance. They didn't wear Chucky Taylors, right? They didn't wear those things. In fact, many times they didn't wear shoes at all. If they did wear shoes, they were kind of like the Dollar General sandals that were like going you know, to fall apart and disintegrate, okay? They didn't really have these nice type of shoes and stuff that we have today. So they're trouncing around, walking tons and tons of miles on end, and you could just fathom how dirty their feet actually were. You're talking about dirt encrusted and literally animal feces that they're walking on? I mean, absolutely disgusting. The person who would wash the guest's feet upon arrival was always considered to be the lowest servant. The lowest servant in the entire household. So then as Jesus bends down and he's washing the disciples' feet, just picture that. It is Jesus who then takes the place as the lowly servant. He's the one that takes the place as the lowest servant. He leaves his place of honor at the head of the table to take the place of dishonor. Why? Why in the world would Jesus do that? Here he is. He's the ultimate teacher and preacher. He's doing miracles. He's doing all these things. And people are like, Jesus, you rock. You know, they're going crazy for him. But he realizes he needs to be a servant, first and foremost. He's come to serve. Jesus takes on the form of a servant to do something so extraordinary as to wash the disciples' dirt and crusted feet. Why? Because true love is costly and it's rooted always in sacrifice. It's costly and it's rooted in sacrifice. The late Tim Keller, who many times we, uh, we quote, this is what he says. It's coming, I know. It's a coming around the mountain. <laughs> it's a coming. All right, guys, you help me up there. Tim Keller, he says it this way. The real way to know how much you love somebody is how much you are willing to give. How much are you really willing to give? The giving of ourselves for the sake of one another is the measurement by which we know how much we love one another. 
I had a story that happened to me where somebody showed that sacrificial love. I was just sharing this with the uh, men's fraternity group yesterday morning, and we were talking about different deeds, different actions of love that, that people have shown us over the years, and maybe we have done as well. I'll never forget, I was a senior at Ohio State University, and, and I was a resident advisor, and we had just packed up all of the, the different guys, 76 men, the young men that lived on my floor. I said goodbye to all of them. And then uh, it's just me and a bunch of the other RAs, and we start playing basketball. And we're playing, it's the last day, and all of a sudden I come down, and boom, snap, crackle, pop. Just my ankle is just messed up big time. Just, it's just not good. Absolutely not good. So I'm in a world of pain. It's a major, major sprain. I thought it was a break. It felt like a break, but it was actually a major sprain. And I thought to myself, I've got to somehow, some way, be able to load up all of my belongings from the whole year into my incredible, fantastic sports car, the Toyota Tercel. <laughs> Little hatchback. Oh, I love that thing. I could rev that thing like you wouldn't believe. Man. But I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I going to do? I am in so much. There's no way I could do this. All of a sudden, I call up my buddy Tom. And Tom's an RA at Moral Tower, one of those big towers by the football stadium. I say, Tom, I'm in a world of pain, man. Is there any way that you'd be able to come and and help me. And he goes, I'll be right there. And I was like, oh, brother, thank you. And he comes right over. And I had to sit in a chair. I'll never forget. It feels like yesterday. I had to sit in a chair and watch my friend literally pack up box after box after box of my belongings. And then take it down the steps and into my sports car. <laughs> and you talk about a humbling situation. You talk about something that was difficult to watch. But you talk about somebody that showed me sacrificial love, somebody that was such a servant. He and I are still best of friends to this day. He leads a, a Christian camp now. But it's one of those deals where, you know, maybe you've had somebody that has shown you some type of act of sacrificial love, or maybe you've done that for someone else. That's one of the greatest things that we can do. You see, Jesus' feet washing is a mere glimpse of the overall trajectory of the life and the purpose of Jesus. When he leaves his place of honor from the head of the table, okay, we see this is what Jesus has done when he leaves his place of honor next to God the Father in heaven, and he comes to earth. He had the ultimate place of honor, and yet because of his love for us, his sacrificial love for us, he left all that, the place of honor for dishonor. When Jesus takes his place as a servant then to wash the disciples' feet, we see that Jesus stoops low on the cross to wash away our sin, to wash away our shame. Isn't that awesome to think about? That each and every one of us is a sinner, and we need God's saving grace. We need God's cleansing power. And that's what the washing of feet can also symbolize is that cleansing within our hearts. You see, Jesus' love, it's costly. So costly. And this kind of love that flows from him to his disciples then is the same love that can flow to us today as well. So Jesus then, what's he do? He rises to his feet. He can sense that there's some kind of confusion, right, that's going on upon the disciples' faces. So he clarifies exactly what he's done 
for them. He clarifies it. And here are some verses that check this out. This is what it says. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. And then the next part, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. God will bless you for doing them. So the bottom line is, you know what we need to do? We need to lead with the towel. We need to lead with the towel. We need to learn what it means to truly serve just like Jesus set that example for each and every one of us. Jesus' message to his disciples is simple. The way I have given myself to you in love, you must do the same for others. We're called to look outward, not inward, right? To look outward, to think of what are the different ways that we can help others. We're to serve others practical, emotional, and their spiritual needs. There's so many needs out there. We need to find a need and fill it. We need to find a hurt and heal it. There's so many needs, and we get to be Christ's hands and feet to help others with those needs. We're to help carry the heavy burden of others. There's so many people that have been through so much, especially these last three years, so much pain, so much heartache. We're getting ready to do another grief share class at some point, we're going to do an anxiety class. There's so much that's going on in our world today. And we need to be those that, that help others go through that. We're to do whatever it takes to serve and love others. For in doing so, we're serving and we're loving Jesus, guys. That's Matthew 25 right there. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do unto me. We have to be able to see that as we're doing this, we're doing it unto Jesus. It's going to look differently for all of us. It's going to look differently as we lead with the towel. For some of us, it might be just simply sitting down with someone and just listening to them, just hearing what they're going through. What are their struggles? What's their pain that they're dealing with? Or maybe it's sacrificing your career for the sake of your family. There's a lot of men and women that have done that. I'm so thankful to my wife. You know, she used to be, a uh, nurse working a ton of hours, and when we had kids, she decided, okay, I'm going to cut back on that. So she still works as a nurse, but she sacrificed so much of her career advancement for the sake of our family. I'm so thankful for that. When we look at maybe it's spending our resources on someone in need instead of ourselves, instead of trying to get that next gadget and gizmo of plenty, who's it, what's it galore, instead of getting that stuff, you get something. Instead of that, you're giving to somebody else, Right? You're giving to somebody else. You see that need, and you're going to, I don't need this. I'm going to help somebody else that's really in need. My need is not a need. It is a want. I need to help somebody that's really in need. Or maybe it's opening your home to host a small group. Man, oh, man. There are so many different groups that we're going to be trying to, to get started. There's already a lot of great groups going on now, but we're going to try to get even more started in the fall. And so consequently, we're going to need people that are willing to host. We're also going to, maybe it's joining a serving team. There's so many different ways to serve. Thank God for all the chapel kids workers and the chapel youth workers. So grateful to them. There's so many ways to serve. 
Or maybe it's serving on a short-term mission. Wow, I'm grateful that the chapel is all about being witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We just had a team get back from the Basque country, the Basque country in northern Spain where they shared about Jesus. And now we got another team in Mexico sharing all about Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Different ways. And then last, maybe it's really caring for the marginalized. You know, the marginalized. Those are the people that no one cares really about. Everybody kind of forgets about them. We were really blessed last week. There's a picture, some of the, some of the pictures. We had a chance as the chapel family to go to three different nursing homes. Those are just some of the pictures of places that we went. So I led a team in Sandusky, and Charles led a team here in Norwalk, and Pastor Todd did one in Port Clinton. But as we went, we got a chance to pass out these beautiful succulent plants as well as pray with people and it was such a wonderful wonderful time and I tell you what the people were so appreciative 236 residents that we visited 225 staff we had such a great time we spent like two hours place I was at there was even one lady there 100 years old that actually was an original member of the chapel 35 36 years ago was a part of the startup of the chapel ministry. It was so great to, to talk with her. There was also a friend of mine named Eric that was there, and he's got MS. He's only in his 40s, and he's been there for about seven years now. And to get a chance to, to talk with him and to pray with him as well, it just, it just meant a lot. And I know there's a whole group of us that are going to go back again and again and again. And so if that's something you're ever interested in, just let me know. Let Charles know. Because that is about helping the marginalized, helping those that a lot of people forget about. There's people in those nursing homes that nobody has visited for probably years. Probably years. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. So these are ways, though, that we can show love. Isn't it great? These are all ways that we can demonstrate love. And whatever we decide to do, Jesus makes it very, very clear. At all times, and with all people, we must lead with the towel and love others and serve at our own expense. We must not be about me. We must always be about we. We as the team, right? If we want to be a leader, if we want to be a real leader, that means being a servant. I'll never forget when I was a kid growing up, I remember watching a lot of college basketball. I remember there was a, there was a coach named John Thompson for the Georgetown Hoyas, and he would always have a towel right here as he was leading his team. Now, it was probably mostly because he was sweating like crazy, okay, as he's leading the team. But I always thought to myself, isn't that cool? He's got this, this towel, and he's leading the Hoyas, and they won a national championship. We're in a bunch of championship games. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's kind of like us. If we want to be real leaders the way God wants us to be, then we got to lead with a towel. In other words, we got to lead with a servant's heart, with a servant mindset. That's a key thing. When we live this way, not only then is the person or people we're serving blessed, the unbelievable part is that we're blessed as well. Isn't that amazing? So after you've shown care to somebody else or you've helped someone financially or helped in some other way, isn't it amazing how God kind of turns it around and you get blessed out of this? 
You're going out of good intentions to help someone else, and somehow, some way, you get blessed. All of us that just went to the nursing home, we got blessed out of doing that. See, the key to ongoing, unending peace, joy, satisfaction, contentment is to give yourself to others. A lot of times, the reason that we're all, you know, so down and out a lot, because we're not given to anyone else. We're so focused on all of our own issues and problems all the time. When we step out and we say, no, I'm going to serve someone else. It's amazing how God blesses. It's amazing. Jesus mentions one last thing that happens when we give ourselves away for the benefit of others. One more thing. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How will the world know that there's a Jesus and that we are his followers? How will the world ever know that? How will they know? They'll know when our costly, selfless love for one another spills over into the world. When they see that there is a difference within us, when they see that, whoo, they want some of that, right? They want some of that. If we get it right, if we really truly get it right within these walls and people experience it then on the outside, it will be proof that not only is there a God, but this God wants a real, true relationship with them because they see it they see it in us unfortunately the opposite can be true too right when we live selfishly when we gossip about others when we judge one another when we don't accept each other the world gets kind of a bad taste sadly the world has gotten a bad taste about church about god it should not be that's why we have to make sure that we become like Jesus towards each other, that we seek to love one another sacrificially. When we take the form of a servant and care for one another, we live counterculturally to a me-centered world. It's the opposite of the me world. And then we shine the spotlight where it should be. Not on ourselves, never. The spotlight on Jesus himself. The spotlight's on him. And people are seeing the good works, and all glory goes to him. There was a man named Lucian who was born only 100 years after Jesus walked the earth. He was an antagonistic towards Jesus and his followers. But check this out. This is what he said about the love that the Christ followers had. It's incredible to see the ardor, passion, with which the people of that religion help each other. They spare nothing. Yeah. Spare nothing. And then Tertullian, look how they love one another. They see that there's a difference because it is a godly love. It is a sacrificial love. It's an unconditional type of love. Imagine it. If those who are within our sphere, who may be against Jesus, maybe against the church, if they could say, if they could say this about us. Imagine the walls that could be broken down in hearts if this world saw our love, our sacrifice, our humility towards one another, 
and then could experience the same love themselves. Church, we got to get it right. We got to get it right in here so that people can see Jesus out there. We got to get it right in here so that people can see Jesus out there. We got to get it right in here so that people can see Jesus Christ out there. That's what we have to recognize, guys. And when we do love each other with that service type of love, that's what's going to make something like Love Norwalk really shine. Not about us, it's about Jesus. That's what it's about. Lastly, this is a picture of Axel Dament. In 2017, he completed his first tour to France. He himself did not win. Instead, he embraced his role as a domestique and helped someone else place and stand on the podium. Listen to the words, though, he says. It's interesting. When you have done your job and the leader has achieved what they want to do, it is still satisfying. I wasn't on the podium but it still felt like I won. Isn't that good? See, we live in a world where it's all about the podium, right? It's all about, did you win? But Axel Dominic, he would say otherwise. Though he served someone else, Axel Dominic, he felt satisfied. Though he didn't win, he felt like he won. He felt like he really won. Jesus says otherwise as well. He says, take a towel. Take a towel. Stoop down low. Stoop down low and then go and wash someone's feet in some way, but do something to serve. Live a life of selflessness. Live a life of humility. Then you can truly be satisfied. Then you could truly win because the spotlight's on Jesus. And we know that Jesus wins and that Jesus has the victory. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for this time together today. Thank you for these friends here today. Thank you for your holy word. Dear God, I pray that you would help us to be the servants that you've called us to be, dear God. Lord, you know that that's not easy at times and it could get challenging. There could be lots of mountains and ups and downs and twists and turns. But dear God, we ask for your strength, your energy to be able to be all that you've called us to be and to serve just like you served us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this chance to study your word. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have an incredible week this week, okay? Take care. Bye-bye.